I'm Gabs. And I'm Liz. And welcome, and welcome to, to their, their Tropes Battles for, for Dominance. Dominance. Sorry in advance. I'm sick still. Um, I have a really bad sinus infection, but I finally was able to get a doctor's appointment. So Monday I should be on some antibiotics finally. So only a little a little less than a week to go until I can Woo! get seen by somebody because of fucking COVID. We... I won't be I was, surprised yeah. if I have strep at that point, honestly. Oh, gosh. That's do you remember rough. freshman year when, I think it was like... The <laughs> I fucking remember that. Yeah. So, freshman year, remember, Liz and I, uh, we had four other roommates besides the two of us, right? Because there was three doubles and two people in each room. So, um, it was like the second month of college, I think. It was probably like, maybe not even, I feel like it was like barely October. And um, I was like... I have a sinus infection. I know when I have sinus infections because I'm genetically predisposed to them. I get them all the time. My mom gets them all the time. She's mm-hmm. had three sinus surgeries and still gets them. So, like, it's just a genetic thing. So, I was like, when I get a sinus infection, I need a strong antibiotic, personally. Otherwise, it just doesn't go away because mm-hmm. my sinuses suck so much. So, I went to our, like, on-campus provider because I didn't have my car because it was freshman year. And I also didn't know anything because I'd only been at college for, like, a month. And I was like, hi, I have a sinus infection and I need an antibiotic. And they, like, refused. They were sort of like, you don't need one. Take this um, nasal spray. Um, it's because they don't want to have to, like, fucking actually prescribe it. Exactly. They're, like, so lazy. Uh, yeah. And she's like, take this nasal spray. And I was like, no, you don't understand. Like, I need this. She's like, no, you don't. And I was like, damn, okay. So um, she's like, take this for, like, two weeks. If you're not better, then you can come back. And a weekend, like, I was significantly worse. So I went to urgent care. Like, I took an for to urgent care. And I was like, hi, I have a sinus infection, and this is what they did for me, and I, th- I think I'm still sick. I think I just need another antibiotic. And they're like, uh, no, you got strep because your sinus infection went untreated for so long. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, all of that gave you strep. And I was like, cool. Um, so that was fun. Um, yeah. I don't know how the rest of you guys didn't get strep from me, honestly. Um, I got. I I literally got strep so much strep, both streps and sinus infections, Mm -hmm. so fucking much as kids. Like literally, like once a fucking month. Like they were about to be like, okay, we need to do more tests to like see if you're physically okay. So and then I just like stopped getting them, and so I think my body's just like super immune, (laughs) super fucking immune now. So. I don't know. But yeah, so I feel like that's what's going to happen again. And I blame all the anti-vaxxers and maskers who yeah. made it impossible for me to go to the doctor because they're all like, I need a COVID test so I can go mm-hmm. party with my friends. And I'm like, I need to see I'm literally dying, so please. Dying. Or like people who are like, I'm literally so sick. I think I have COVID, can't get yes. a fucking appointment to get, get a it, test. I, like beginning of January, Nick and I were convinced that I probably had COVID because I was so sick. And then we found out it was like the weird flu thing that was not even a flu, like the weird virus that was going around that wasn't flu, that wasn't COVID. We didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it might have been Omicron that just, you know, tested negative, but we have no idea. But yeah. um, I literally couldn't get a test because, you know, everywhere was booked by people being like, I want to, like, I went partying on New Year's Eve and now I'm sick. You know, and I'm like, I didn't party. I stayed home and, you know, like, I canceled a trip with my family that we'd been planning for two years. I stayed home, I did my part, and I just happened to get sick, and I'm trying so hard. Mm-hmm. Like, please. Oh, my God. But it's it's just... Also, like, at the end of the day, I'm like, 
I don't know where, I, where I'm going with this, but people like have been arguing about cons and stuff, like in the entrance and people going to conventions. Like Liz mm-hmm. and I personally canceled going to Katsu. Yeah. Um, like a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, we just, like our whole room can't, uh, canceled because we, we all just don't feel safe and like we didn't, like we were able to get our money back. We hadn't paid really anything yet. Yeah. So other than like a room deposit so we mm-hmm. got that back and um also like literally everyone else we know is canceling so it's yeah. like it's not even gonna be fucking fun i know maybe like 10 people still going who like and the, as, in terms of like people i actually would hang out with at a convention and usually i know at least like 50 for every con so yeah i would not have a blast there i because i'm the type of person who like bounces between friend groups at cons i don't like stick with like two people usually mm-hmm. um but yeah, so no, I we don't really care if you go, as long as you wear your mask. But yeah. like my experience at Hallmat taught me that most people going aren't gonna keep their mask on. Um, as someone who got fucking COVID from Hallmat, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like you know, and the, the thing is too, like we were all very careful. Um, I found one picture from the entire convention where I had my mask off indoors and. Oh, and, know. like, minus us, like, when we were actually, like, paneling. We, we did. We had our mask on during the panel, didn't we? No, did we take it off? No, we didn't. Oh, we did take it off. That's right, because the rule was because we were, like, at least six feet away from We were at least six feet back, and literally right. everyone in our front row was, like, our friends People in our, our room. room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All our roommates who were with us anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because, like, I, yeah, I kept the mask on for my Jamie's panel, I'm pretty sure. I don't really remember much, honestly. Um... But, but otherwise, every single time we were inside, we were wearing yeah, masks I, unless we were, like, actively eating. Off, and I'm, like, and I realized it's because I was, like, really drunk and I was mid-drink and um, when I took, like, a picture with someone. And I was, yeah. like, I don't understand where this picture come from, came from because I also don't remember the picture. I think it's the problem. <laughs> so there was a Chuck E. Cheese cosplayer. I and they were wearing a mask, to be fair. Um, thankfully. So it wasn't like both of us were unmasked. Um, um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I've just... Uh, Oh, I had a fun fun thing happen at work today. Um, uh-huh. So I started, uh, I'm helping, like, with recruiting, you know, because I do HR, so obviously recruiting is part of that, and, like, internal recruiting. So um, I'm helping fill a position at my company, and um, my boss is like, yeah, you can look through the resumes and pick who you want to talk to first. If you like them, you can send them to me, and so on. Like, I'm basically just going to be, like, the introductory meeting for them, but I'm also, like, filtering out people who I just think would suck at this position. And I got this. So, so first of all, guys. Yeah. Me, so for for resumes, if your resume is over one page and you are under the age of thirty, there better be a damn good reason. Don't make it more than two pages. If you have a resume that has to be more than two pages, you need to start writing a CV. Okay. You should not be having a resume that's more than one page. I have yet to see a resume from somebody under the age of forty who justifiably has more than a one page resume. To be fair, when I was talking about what I was doing, mine was more of what I was did in my CV as well. And that is a C- – right. That's, a, like, more of a CV than a resume. Yeah. If you have a resume, it should just be a short experience. A CV is where you go more detail and you can basically write a paragraph mm-hmm. and essay on, like, what you do. Anyways, I had this person. So so this is my other thing. Um, it, it is really – I think it is really cool if you're able to tailor saying, like, I am a Discord mo- own, server owner or a Reddit moderator. You know, if you're able to tailor that into your resume to be like, I am a community engagement officer or something like that, that looks great. If you just say, I'm a Discord moderator for every Call of Duty sub, I am not going to take you seriously. 
I am a tw- oh my. I am I am also twenty-two oh. years old. I also have been a Discord moderator, Reddit sub like As- whatever. Like like I don't please please lie and make it sound cooler. It's like when I was um so I was the president and one of the co-founders of my school my high school's K-pop club. Right. When I was when I was so awful, but when I was like putting it on my resumes, I was like a cultural club. Yes. No. I've never once said that I was the cosplay club treasurer of our 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 college, right? I've only ever said I was a treasurer of a club under our student student government association because I was, and I'm not going to tell you it was cosplay club. But like this person, like my thing is like this person, and the the other part was like couldn't be me because I'm literally looking at my CV and it says cosplay club. You have a lot more. You you have more confidence. Um, I literally, I literally got interviews at every school I applied to, so it fucking yeah, worked. It worked for you. I was too scared. Um, it, it honestly, like that's you can usually put nerdy stuff and get away with it. My thing is just like this wasn't. It was. It also depends. Like I'm, I'm applying to go to school where somewhere I'm gonna work with kids. They want that. It's yes, fun and quirky. Right, right. No, what I'm saying, like this, just wasn't relevant to the position. Right, like, bro. I I moderate the Lazily Liz Discord. I'm the server. <laughs> I'm not owner. kidding when I say that this person was a moderator for every single Call of Duty subreddit. There were five of them, and they were all Call of Duty. And he was a moderator for the official Call of Duty <laughs> Discord server. Okay, that's kind of impressive, though. Not gonna impressed. lie. Yes, no. I I was impressed as a nerd, but as um somebody hiring for a tech company, and this had nothing to do with the specific position at all. Like this is not like a tech heavy position. This is more of a sales based position. Um, and it's not even that it was much sales. Like there is still tech involved, right? Like this guy had zero coding experience. Minus well, you could you could say playing Minecraft. He could say, "Oh, I was um I was like I was in charge of moderating communities, making yes. sure resolving any issues." Yes, exactly. But the he didn't. Second you label it though, and you use words like Reddit. Just keep in mind, majority of the people reading these resumes are gonna be younger. They're probably also gonna have that experience and. Like yes, like we all try to look at it unbiased, but I'm like if you. Put, I'm gonna be I'm, honest. Reddit <laughs> scares me exactly. a little. Exactly. Like, the words, like, as someone who's a Call of Duty fan, the words Reddit and Call of Duty together don't paint a good picture, my dude. And my thing is, like, I I am more than well, I was more than willing to give this guy a chance, right? Like I examined him the same way I did all my other resumes I was sent. My issue was he also just had a really bad resume. It was like three pages. Um, like it was just bad. Um, it badly formatted and stuff. And he also did not have any of the qualifications or experience that I was looking for. So now I don't feel as bad for, <laughs> for laughing at it. Um, cause I considered it, I did want to talk to him and, um, I almost, I almost set up an interview with him just cause I was like, I want to know more about you. I want to, I want to meet you. I want to know your, your, more, your I just tra- more gamer uh, yeah, oh that's God. the vibe. I need more people that play Call of Duty who aren't toxic. That's what I need. True. But, but like, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I'm just like, there are better ways to format this. Like learn to judge. <laughs> Your resume. Don't, yes. don't don't just put stuff on there for putting stuff on there. Uh Liz, how was your week? Um, it's been like a week. I'm very sleepy. I'm praying yeah. we have a delay tomorrow. Because yeah. I'm so fucking sleepy. Um I went to Cracker Barrel with my friends on Monday Are night, you a which was really boy? fun. 
I am a Cracker Barrel stan. I oh, love okay. Cracker Barrel. I remember it's the like colossal you and Harrison. Like <laughs> me, Harrison, and Zell went to Cracker yeah, Barrel, and it was like the work. greatest meal I've ever fucking. We were because like, I was so hungover. But like, I just remember Jenny and I were like, "Oh, we're gonna just keep going." And you I were, was like, hungover as shit. You're like eating Cracker Barrel. Barrel. <laughs> it was so good. They give you like twenty billion sides. It's like I got. I ordered a thing of like fried shrimp. You want to know? It came with four different sides. Respectfully, I don't trust the fried shrimp at Cracker Barrel. Um, it was good as fuck. I've only eaten at Cracker Barrel twice, and every single time I go in, I feel like I'm going to get a hate crime. I love Cracker Barrel. It's such a homely experience. It's a vibe. I, you are entitled to one Southern comfort, and that can be yours. Um, That's definitely my Southern comfort. I love Cracker Barrel. House and remain Waffle House, like a true Southerner. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. Yeah. I love Cracker Barrel. Um. That's what I did. I saw Sky. That was always a great Sky. time. I, I love them. So long. I miss them. Um. Otherwise, yeah, that's kind of been it. Super exhausted. Um. We had a really fun stream on your Twitch. Oh my! On I forgot Saturday. about yeah, we, we did our drunk stream. That it was, was a great time. It was very random. It's because uh, Nick and I found a Korean barbecue place near our apartment. So we went out because I was craving it. And um, they had soju. So I got soju. And we finished like a third of the bottle at the restaurant. I sobered up enough to drive home. Like, you know, we were so... I, not enough. Like, I totally sobered up. Like, I would not drive intoxicated. Like, we waited in the car for 45 minutes for me to sober up. Um, and then I drove home and I was like, I'm going to get drunk again. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and uh then and then i was like why don't i stream it and there we were and it was actually really fun yeah couldn't be me i used to go through me and me and lauren will go through like three soju bottles together i ran out i Feral only had moment. the one for dinner and i'm you know i would like I, I need to get more now we went literally yeah. went to an asian market yesterday and i totally forgot to pick some up so next time i will be soju gets you fucked up beyond belief Oh, yeah. It is so fun. Like, Nick, like, it takes a lot to get him fucked up. And he had the same amount of soju as me, and he couldn't drive home. Like, it was a lot. Um, but it was fun. I love soju. Yes. And that was fun. I, I'm thinking we should make it, like, a monthly thing if we can. I think it would be very fun. Um, love I'm, that that's for my you guys. Goal, at least. Um, so what did you choose? So, um, Nick and I were watching TikToks. And mm-hmm. last time I picked, I let him pick my trope because... Again, we were at that time we were watching TikToks. I was like, oh shit, I have to go make my notes. I was like, pick a trope. So he picked one for me this week as well. Um, because we had just watched like several TikToks. Um, people talking about like uh, the trope where vampires get backed into a corner and have to bite their friend or whatever. You know, like to, like it's the last thing they can do. Like it's really p- common in like fucking like Awari no Seraph, I remember. If, you know, it's been years since I uh-huh. watched or read that. Um, vampire Diaries, Vampire Academy, all the fucking like trashy YA vampire novels. Like, you know, the, the mythical creature gets backed into a corner and has to like in theory consume their loved ones or ally or oh, like, person like- they hate. Like kill them. Not cons- no no no. Not okay. Kill. That's what I was gonna say. I no, was like, this just, is like, just the fucking plot of the fourth Twilight book. No no, it's like just like like for instance in like Vampire Academy, like she like they're on the run. Um, uh-huh. It's been it's been ten years since I read this, these books, so forgive me if my memory is not accurate. But from what I remember, they're like on the run, and so her best friend has to like. Um, give me her. one second. Okay. Wow. Um, it's been like 10 years since I read the book, so forgive me if I misremember it, but 
like they're on the run and like one of them's a vampire one of them's like a half vampire and doesn't need to eat blood and something and so she has to like because she has no way to get blood like ethically she has to feed off her friend mm-hmm. uh, like that sort of thing where it's like they have no other choice it's like die or if you or friend. okay but um <gasps> oh my god vampire night with zero oh yeah vampire night has that <laughs> yeah definitely um basically any like trashy vampire media that you can think we of in the past it. 20 years has this and it's fun um however i realized very quickly that um that kind of build-up takes a while especially in fix and i mm-hmm. didn't have the energy to look for that in 10 minutes so i decided to just go with like vampire biting like a loved one but like specifically mm-hmm. during sex um love that for you yeah so i picked porn for us I love that for you. I figured I'm sick. You're tired. So different should... than what I what I ended up picking. Oh, so awesome. I love this. Perfect. So I figured, yeah, I figured that we'll be able to get through it because neither of us are technically totally coherent right now. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, this is an old one from uh, my bookmarks. And um, to be totally transparent, it was between this or a very uh, a 2016 dated uh, Voltron fanfic. So um, <laughs> these were my two options. And, yeah, apparently I haven't read a lot of this trope. Um, or mm-hmm. I did at some point. I don't know why in 2016 I was really, really into reading vampires feeding off their loved ones during sex, but I was, and here we are. Love um, that for you. Yep. <laughs> Like I said, I just did not have the energy to go looking for a fic I did not already have access to. Um, so this is a Haiku one. It's called Give and Take by MYN underscore X. And yeah, it's explicit because, like I said, it's porn. And it is Oikawa X Kuro. Uh, Kuro is the vampire in this. Um, yeah. I love them. Um, um, basically, it's it's one of those um, vampire AUs where where, like, the act of feeding makes the person getting fed on horny. So it's just, like, Vampire Academy. Um, um, I was gonna say, it's also, like, fucking um, diabolic lovers. See, I was... <laughs> I was never that trashy. I feel it's like not my fault. It's not my fault, like, I'm addicted to harem animes. It's a problem. Yeah. Yes, those it, are both two true statements. It's not your fault, and it is a problem. Good job, Liz. Um, thank you. <laughs> um but yeah see i think of vampire academy because in vampire academy like there was this i remember this whole book where the girl gets like like so like i remember i don't remember like details i just remember like the main girl's love interest like turns evil and Mm -hmm. basically turns her into a sex doll by like just feeding off her constantly and like so she becomes like a sex addict and like addicted to feeding him her blood because it makes Mm -hmm. her horny that's all i remember um i was like 14 (laughs) why was i thinking that um, um i don't know anyways um i guess i will read for uh for i don't even know because it's, it's a third person it's not really anyone's pov so i'll read for koro because he probably has yeah he i think probably has more if mm-hmm. dirty talk if any there's not a whole lot of voice in this it's mostly description yeah uh, so I read for oikawa okay you ready you yeah ready? Oikawa moans, hips shifting right against Kuro's fucking floor, into it. Where he straddles him. I just copy-pasted the entire fic, by the way. I did not Love that. anything. Where he straddles him in nothing but running shorts and the spandex underwear that peeks from underneath. Kuro had wasted no time practically pouncing on him as soon as he stepped through the door, muttering that Oikawa should know better by now than to entice him by smelling so delectable. 
Before Aikawa could reply that he was expecting to return to an empty apartment after his run, his unsaid words had been swallowed in a messy, fanged kiss. I want to point out um, how the other day, when I, like I guess it was a couple weeks ago now, when we were recording Fifty Shades, and there's something about like we got grossed out by all the food scripters. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is okay, okay, okay. First of all, this is I mean, oh this well, I guess. Well, I was gonna say, okay. oh, like I'm okay with it because it's vampires. Right. But like technically, Fifty Shades is based on like vampire right. shit. Right. So like, but also it wouldn't make sense that. Anastasia would be like, oh, like talking about like Christian Grey as if he's like food because he's not food. Yeah. Because even if it was like, it would make sense if it was coming from Christian Grey over um over her. Yeah. But um, so like in actual like vampire stuff, like I get it. I'm more I'm more um into it. I'm I'm not into it, but it doesn't ick me out in vampire. I'm more I'm more for it. You know. I think I I think just the idea of like. The like food descriptors used on humans in general is kind of weird to me, like icky to me, even in this context. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I never enjoyed vor. So, um, <laughs> are you implying I enjoy vor? You, you, you didn't say are you? Me either. So I'm, I started laughing. Yeah, that made me a little nervous. So you started laughing. Are you implying I like vor? Are you implying that? Are Are you implying that you did? No, I never did. Are but sure? are you implying? I'm fucking I sure. I don't think either I, of us are coherent enough for this conversation. We're. I, this is going to be such a fucking episode because I think we're both like low key dissociating. Yeah, and I'm editing this tomorrow. To we haven't edited an episode in like two, three months because since we started doing just the audio, and this uh, one's going to have to be edited because we're <laughs> fucked. I'll do it. I'll do it. But like, it has to be. Edited. Oh my god. Um. Okay. There we go. And. Uh, the next line is due. So he had managed to retort. And I told you not to play with your food. When Kuro had rolled his bottom lip beneath his between his teeth, nipping gently with his fangs enough to tease but not draw blood before pulling away and squeezing his ass through his sweat dampened shorts. How can I not when your scent is so irresistible? <laughs> Kuro had murmured, burrowing his face into the crook of Wakawa's neck. The flush had burned hot on Wakawa's face and he could practically feel the smirk Kuro had tried to hide by mouthing at his sweaty shirt. Kuro has an entire is a, a terribly endearing habit of saying th- stupid, stupid things. When Aikawa and Aikawa has an equally endearing habit of saying so. Not that it ever stops Kuro, but Aikawa had long. I'm sorry about my reading today, guys. I I'm, I will be. It's just Liz. the Liz Liz um, reading experience, and, and with like the congestion. I really hope you can understand. Because, like, hearing I can voice, understand. Like, okay. Because when I'm congested, it sounds fine to my ears, but then it plays back to me, and I'm like, how do people understand me? Um, but Aikawa had long since given up on the I'm gross and would like to shower before you ravage me argument. His body odor had always been especially alluring to Koro, even before they bonded, or so he always tells him. And afterward, Koro's partiality to his scent had only grown stronger while he had become practically invisible to other vampires, thanks to whatever chemical fuckery that made him smell like nothing to anyone who wasn't Koro. Um, I just have to say, <laughs> scent king. Scent king. Because it's, it's not, for me, it's like body, the idea of like, body odor is, ugh, but like, somebody's scent, you know, like, and usually that scent is usually just like their deodorant or cologne or perfume. Yeah, like them, like, also. That is their scent. It's like a good scent. But like, to me, that's good. And like, like, for instance, like, if like Nick lends me a jacket, I spend like my entire day just smelling it. Like, I just sit there like a fucking gremlin going, (laughs) like smelling my sleep every five (laughs) seconds. And everyone just thinks I'm like sniffly and I'm like, smells good. (laughs) 
jacket <laughs> it genuinely i'm like smells like him smells like it just smells like i'm being hold, held all day and i just i just that was like honestly when i first got into omegaverse <laughs> way back when my biggest draw was the scent part of it i'm not even kidding then came like, goes from oh my god but, like, like I, I love how <laughs> sorry how that sentence just played back it's like <laughs> i love wearing my boyfriend's sweatshirt all day like it just makes me feel like I'm being and held that's by him. And that's how I got into Omegaverse. At first it was the said thing, but then I got into the breeding kink. <laughs> well, yeah, the breeding wasn't the first part because, like, I was a kid when I first got into Omegaverse. I didn't start with the porn. The porn came very quickly. But I started with just, like, the familial bond and shit where, like, people, like, they're like, oh, soulmates, you know. Like, set, like, scent has always been a big thing for me. Um, part of it is because part of my PTSD is triggered by a certain scent, but it's a bad scent, so I really like good scents, like, especially, so, mm-hmm. yeah. I'll stop talking about scent cake. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. This <laughs> is like, okay, we've had enough. So when Kuro had licked a stripe from his cheek to his temple, collecting drops of sweat with his tongue, Oikawa had only pretended to push him off, grumbling... That's really sexy and puts me exactly in the mood, Tetsuro. His half-assed attempt at sarcasm couldn't hide the way his heartbeat seized up, especially when Koro had noticed the soaked mess of hair just behind the shell of his ear. The thunder of his pulse had been embarrassing. All of his reactions to Kuro are, if only because Kuro can always tell. Okay, but like, listen, listen, like, it's, it's I don't, I, you haven't read A Court of Thorns and Roses, but there's this like scene in the books where mm-hmm. like, um, she gets turned on and she's like, wait, can, can everybody smell that? Like, cause apparently she finds out that they all have like heightened senses and like, that's her mate. And she just looks at him and she's horny. And he was like, I can tell you're horny. And she's like, can, can everybody tell that? And he's, I can tell and he's, you're trying horny. Make, he's trying to make her not embarrassed. So he just goes, he's like, oh no, it's perfectly natural. Don't worry. Instead of saying, yeah, everybody can smell your pussy dripping. <laughs> And I wish, I wish I was kidding, but word for word, he li- she literally just goes, can everybody smell that? And he just goes, oh, no, it's perfectly natural. Don't be embarrassed, darling. And like, <laughs> I wish that. Everyone oh can smell Everyone can smell her you are right now. wetness. Her omega slick. Um, <laughs> Stop. Um, <clears throat> uh. Kuro always makes him weak, and he can't even try to hide it, because Kuro immediately picks up the slightest uptick in his heart rate and breathing. Then the fucker stirs him up even more with his damned addictive drug of a bite. Bodekawa can read Kuro, too, and has seen the way his pupils had eclipsed his irises, and how his jaw worked as his fangs slid into view. Stars above. That was always so fucking hot. Okay, true. All in response to Waikawa, <laughs> fresh from a run, sweaty and heaving, heart loud and willing as if it, would, as if it wanted to jump out of his chest and let Kuro cup it in his hands. Sure, Oikawa can never hide a boner, but he's picked up enough that the vampiric system, simpa, sim, symptom, symptom. <laughs> vampiric symptoms of arousal are just as telltale, and he'd be lying if he said it didn't stroke his ego when Kuro drooled over him the way he always did. As a matter of fact, Oikawa feeds on it, and had pressed his advantage in a trail of kisses from Kuro's lips to his chin to his throat, where he had ghosted his lips in a mock bite, his own canines ineffective against Kuro's skin. The pressure of his teeth and lips had elicited an immediate response, and Oikawa had found himself pinned to the wall with Kuro's knees nudging his thighs apart. Oikawa, Kuro had growled, but his hands had been gentle as he cupped Oikawa's face and tilted his head to bare his throat, the languid swipe of his tongue leaving behind a swath of cool, soothing stickiness that seemed to leach under his skin. Then the brief pause between, punctuated by the brush of fangs before they'd sunk in and Kuro had taken. Finally, the millisecond of pain that had preceded the hot flash of es- es- 
ecstasy <laughs> through Wakawa's veins like a shot of spiced rum. Insistent desire coiling so tightly in his belly, he felt like he'd burst into flames if Crow didn't put his dick in him right the fuck then. If I'm he... gonna be honest. Yes. I'm like thinking about this, and I'm like thinking about like someone like literally like sticking like two needles into my like throat, and I'm like, uh, <laughs> like oh god, no, uh, like I don't like neck. Like, neck biting, neck kissing, all that stuff. Like, that's hot, but, like, puncturing on the neck, that's I'm not like, hot to me. To me, it'd be hotter. Like, the idea of, like, a vampire sex, like, feeding on you during sex is hotter if it's, like, after we're already having sex. And then, like, to me, then it's, like, it's just, I, I can't think about, like, what you said, like, the needles in the neck. Or if it's, like, from your arm or your, like, legs or something. It's a little... I, I, I'd get down with some thighs. Yes, right? Like, as they're eating you out and then they just go... Stop. Hear me out. Hear me out. Do a play. editing i'm gonna have to put in just so people don't break at your screaming there i'm fucking hinged what the fuck me being sick might as well be me being drunk dude my brain like my filter the, the filter that stops my brain from leaking into my mouth is not working right now um it's bad you're making my brain hurt I'm like, oh <laughs> imagine my how i feel Oh, my, my brain God. hurts physically and mentally. <laughs> like, oh my anyways, goodness. let's get Continue. back into the porn. Uh, it's a euphoria apart from any other Oikawa has ever experienced. Painful isn't the right word to describe the haze, but when he tries to explain how good it hurts, he tells Kuro to imagine that every dirty thought Kuro's ever had of him had been gathered and converted into a visceral need to be fucked until he passed out doing it all over again as soon as he woke up, that he wanted Oikawa's cock so badly he felt like he'd die if he didn't bury it so deep inside of him he could count the brain cells he lost with every thrust. Out of all I'm the losing so many brain cells right now. <laughs> Out of all the perks of falling in love with a vampire, the way Kuro has eyes only for him, the accelerated healing and higher life expectancy, Kuro's inexhaustible stamina. Oikawa's favorite has to be the way his, sings fink, his, his fangs sink in a little... <laughs> His fang, his sing <laughs> turns his British. Sang sphinx. Don't you his think about sphinx. it? The sangs they begin. Uh, his fangs sink in a little deeper when he tugs on his hair. Kuro's desperation had bled out into the pathetic wine that had vibrated against Oikawa's skin, making him shiver. As much as Oikawa is affected by the chemicals in Kuro's saliva, Kuro is just as wasted on blood so willingly given, and Oikawa's long fingers lace through his hair, anchoring him in place. Kuro always drinks with him slowly, ready to pull back at the first sign of pain or discomfort or the sticky pallor that accompanies overindulgence. How he always knows just when to retract his fangs is beyond Oikawa, who never wants to stop, and it's only thanks to Kuro's superior physical strength that he's able to pull away from where Oikawa keeps his face melded to his throat. This man is like, please fucking kill me. He's like, you're gonna kill yourself, and he's like, drain me. (laughs) He's like, I am so fucking horny right now, keep drinking. Like... To flirt with death and become its master. That's the perk to end all perks. But Akawa is anything but ungrateful, even when it comes to the little things about the relationship. The devil is in the details, or something like that. It's so messy when Kuro drinks. His thick, sweet saliva mixing with Akawa's blood as it trickles to collect in the dips of his collarbones. Oikawa loves the way Kuro's fangs drip with it just before he closes in on his pulse point, his heart hammering in anticipation of the heady rush that always accompanies the sweet sting of those wicked teeth. Letting Kuro drink from him feels as good as letting Kuro fuck him, and the lusty delirium always takes them from one act to the other, 
pulling Okawa apart above and below until he can't tell what feels better, Kuro's cock or his fangs. Wow. And um, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> and the rest of it mm-hmm. is literally just them, like, actually fucking. Um, and then Okawa Good being for like, them. can you feed me again, please, please, please? And, uh, yeah, and uh, I think then he feeds, yeah, he feeds again later. So if you're interested, it, it's it's good. It's cute. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a little thing where Okawa's like, don't talk with your mouth full while he's biting him. So, <laughs> and that is kind of cute. Uh, but, yeah, so um, as far as those fics go that trope um i i enjoy it the tension you get from like watching a scene like that but mm-hmm. something about reading it kind of icks me i think it's just like the food descriptors and stuff and also like extreme like it, intense descriptions of bodily fluid also makes me a little icky so i don't know if i would read it again um but i would probably watch it what do you think i I'm not super into vampires. Um, oh, true. Yeah. Werewolf fucker, yeah. Yeah, werewolf fucker right here. This is like, I'm only into vampires when they come with uh, one of two things. Werewolves or harems. Or harems, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the, um, that's the vibe, exactly. That's the vibe. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, I got randomly assigned... The, the trope food in fan works and that's just what it was called so, and so, so they are our tropes are related today yeah unfortunately but like no but like the fix are very different <laughs> oh okay good thank god because yeah. i don't think i could handle it if, they, um, if the person was the food yeah so um fan works it's just basically like fan works that feature food as like a key theme or element or whatever mm-hmm. you know what i mean like it could be like oh like We've, like, essentially, let me get to this thing, and then I'll say how we've essentially kind of covered it before. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the specific quote from the fan lore or article says, food for plot or characterization, placing the characters in settings where they make food, either professionally, coffee shop AU, chef AU, bakery AU, etc., or for their personal pleasure, baking AU, etc., where it's, like, we've literally, like, covered almost all this. Right. And, like, a lot of them have actually, like, Cause like I feel like there's some like bakery AUs or chef AUs where like it just like kind of takes a back burner. But yes. when we've done it, I feel like we've done a really good job about like choosing it where it's like a main part of the story and like they're actually like talking about food to be and fair, shit. I think that's because I've only done like one of these tropes and you've done all of the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it be like that. Yeah. But um, some fan works will take the form of recipes or feature recipes within their text. Mm-hmm. There's actually this cool um, manga this reminds me of called Kitchen Princess. Mm-hmm. And it's like a manga that actually has like recipes you can make like within it, which mm-hmm. I think is like pretty awesome. Um, we do have to talk about the sexual side of food and fan works. Do we have to? Do we have to? Yeah. No. So it can be a stand-in for other activities. Um, think a la Food Wars, where they, like, basically, oh, yeah. like, bust a nut eating. I've never or... watched it because it made me so uncomfortable. Like, they yeah. really orgasm at food. Yeah. And I wish I was exaggerating if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, so, or it can be used, like, kind of as foreplay, or, like, the, like, food, like, the feeding within itself can be a kink, a.k.a., like, feeding kink. Um, also, like, food might be used as an accessory during sex, you know, like, think of people being like, 
I don't know, like having like using whipped cream. I don't know. I, I that just seems so have messy I... to me. So it's not up my alley. Liz, have I ever told you about the first? Uh, I guess I should say second explicit fic I ever read, but like it was the first on purpose explicit fic I ever read. Mm-hmm. The strawberry. No, kid. you haven't. I haven't. Long story short, um, it was my first partner at the time, and he showed me um, this uh, fic because he was really into the Soul Eater fandom and like was an artist um, mm-hmm. and like did collabs and stuff with Soul Eater people. So, but keep in mind, like the majority of the Soul Eater fandom at this time was very young because it, we were all kids and. Um, there was this thing that we called the strawberry fic where um, it was kind of a collection of one shots, but like they were all related to food and they, uh, uh, there was this thing where, where they fucking shoved strawberries up her pussy and had to fish them out with, with chopsticks. Well, for those of you who don't know, this is a food kink. Um, it was a lot. Oh my god, that is a lot. It was a lot. And see, my ex like did not tell me that's what we were. <laughs> god, it was so much less. I I still can't believe I had to go through that. So, um, switching from the more sexual side to the more Thank romantic you. side of things, uh, food can also be sh- a way to show romance. Um, you know, like, it can be, like, characters, um, cooking, like, their loved one's, like, favorite meals, or, like, their love interest's favorite meals. I'm pretty sure that was, like, a main aspect of the Maze Runner fanfiction we read right way back in the day, where it's, like, oh, I'm learning to make this because, like, you love this, um, stuff like that. Or, like, um, dates at, like, fancy restaurants or, like, cooking something together. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you cook with some people... You can be kind of close, so it can cause some accidental touches and like flustered looks. Some you know, some some, some forced intimacy Ooh. or whatever. And then it can also be like romantic gifts, like I'm gifting you your comfort food. Like mm-hmm. this is like, yeah, essentially like it's good. Like if someone, if like I like someone, like my ultimate love language is like if someone brought me like iced coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, like I I'd lose my mind. Would literally come I'd be like, I am in love with you. <laughs> you um, have a food wars moment and just like food wars moment. Yes. Um. Um. So it can also be used sometimes in like sick fix, where it's like you bring a sick person like food. You know, like I am super sick like in bed. Type yeah. Thing. And it's like, oh, like I, I made you like a really nice and hearty like chicken soup. A hearty so you feel chicken better. soup. So you feel better. Not I don't the know. hearty chicken. Not the hearty chicken soup. Um oh, it can also be this is like used in like because it's so general, there's so mm-hmm. much. It's also used in crack fix where one or more of the characters oh, God, yeah. are food. And I have seen those and I love them because they're so fucking it's a funny. Lot. It's a, it's I should a have lot. gone and found one of those, no, but I'm I didn't. I'm really glad that you didn't, genuinely. Respectfully. Um, Actually, disrespectfully. I'm so glad you didn't do that. One second. Um, it can also just be used to show canon character traits where, like, certain characters are obsessed with, like, certain foods, such as, like, Naruto being really obsessed with ramen. Mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of essentially, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, also, like, one popular theme, like, within fanfics, like, involving food, it's popular to have, like, one character be an excellent chef or mm-hmm. a horrible chef. And there's also, like, another, um, popular element of, like, certain characters only eating takeout which is like totally me yeah so i i love literally just took a break to like machine (laughs) our sections to order dinner 
Yeah, I'm like awful at cooking, so You're I always actually lo- not though. Your cooking's not bad. I'm just like lazy. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's, that's actually that's, a more accurate. Discussion. That's much more accurate. And the thing is, I like share a kitchen with like people making, like my parents making like full dinners. So it'll be like annoying because like I'll be hungry and like I can't cook because they're cooking. So it's yeah. just easier for me. But that's I always fair. love in like in like fanfics where it's like. I always just find it funny or like where like one character only eats takeout and the other one's like a chef and they're like, yeah, let me cook for you. Like, please, like, stop eating this garbage. It's so cute. It's like one of my favorite things Mm. ever. Um, so, um, I guess we can kind of just, I mean, in general, I've read a lot of fics that involve food essentially just from like, you know, like, um, like coffee shop, shop, chef, restaurant, college AU, whatever so obviously i've read a lot of it i'm sure you've also read a lot of it as i actually a result haven't of like... i usually just read porn so um <laughs> Liz is like, i don't know how to respond to that uh, i don't know what to say <laughs> i don't i just like i like we were just talking about like i don't like i separate food and sex like heavily so it's it's weird to me to see it together yeah so i just don't i tend to avoid things like that so, um, this was a fic, like, that was linked from the fan lore page called Peter Malark's Five Favorite Things to Bake oh. by Aim My Arrows High on AO3. I think like we've done a Hunger Games We fic. have not done a Hunger Games fic, and I love Hunger Games, yeah, not gonna lie. Um, this, the person listed this as, like, a character study. Oh. And so, I, it'll be interesting to see. Because I really was just like, yeah, I see some ingredients and shit. This is good enough. Um, okay. I didn't really necessarily read it because I was also crunched like, I on saw time. the ingredients. That was good. <laughs> that was enough. Um, so the description of this fic is Peter Malark is 96 years old and the most beloved person in the Cole estate, which was once a long time ago known as District 12. Um, I like anything in the Hunger Games where the characters are actually happy. So I already like this fic. I already love it. So, um, it kind of just has, like, it's broken into, like, five parts. Um, mm-hmm. like, so this is the first recipe. I don't know if we're gonna... I only copied down three of them anyway. I don't even okay. know if we'll get to all three, but we'll see. Is there any, like, char- like speaking? No. Okay. It's kind of just... Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah, go for Yeah. It. So, the first one is called Primrose Dots. Ingredients, three-fourths cup all-purpose flour, one-fourth cup almond meal, three ounces unsalted butter at room temperature... Three-fourths cup powdered sugar sifted, one-fourth, that's teaspoon, yes, teaspoon salt, a half teaspoon pure vanilla extract, one tablespoon rose water, one large egg at room temperature, and about one-third cup pink powdered sugar sifted for dusting. So are these, like, fan recipes, or do you think I don't fucking know. Nor do I care enough, sadly. Oh, okay. Got it. Cool. Let's not um, care about the Hunger Games. Um, they don't... On. It doesn't, like, really even necessarily... It's, like, more just stories that go along with it. Like, yeah, along yeah. with each recipe. It doesn't even necessarily give you, like, instructions right. afterwards of this. But, right. yeah. Um, Peter Malark is 96 years old and the most beloved person in Cole Estate, which was once, long, a long time ago, no, um, now, known as District 12. He has a strong spry gait for um, for a man of his years due to the aid of a prosthetic leg. Sometimes a child will ask him what happened to his real leg, and he nips their nose affectionately and tells them, "You'll learn in school when you're older." And ahead of fluffy, and ahead of fluffy white hair, I know he's kind to every- 
I know that when they say nips nose, I know they mean just like you know pokes it with their finger yeah. or whatever. But my first thought is he bit the kid's nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fucking took a he goes, fat I'm- chunk. <laughs> you go, um. Oh my gosh, he's kind to everyone and is always willing to listen. Perhaps most importantly, he is the town baker. His shop is the cornerstone of what once cornerstone of what once <laughs> I was trying to say my brain went store the quarter store and I was like wait no that doesn't say store <laughs> oh my gosh of what once a long time ago now was called the hop where there used to be dust and grid and back alley deals there's now a cheerful around gray brick bakery with bright yellow curtains and awnings there, there are always loaves of hearty bread in the window, even though Peter Malark is known across Panem for his intricate pastries. Peter Malark believes in the old ways, in making things properly, in always thinking ahead and putting his best effort forward. It's something that people still appreciate, even, even though it's not life or death now. The wooden tables outside his shop are always filled with people eating bread or little delicate cakes. Some wear elaborate styles that encroach even on old capital weirdness. Others are the Cole Estate's typical, ancient, never-ending poor. Peta serves everyone with a smile. Peta's always liked people. Um, not persons, of course, and he was never naive. But that was always the biggest difference between how Katniss fought and recovered from the rebellion and how Peta survived. And, of course, it was how they decided to torture Peta. They made him hate people, even the persons he loved best. He's better now. The reason why the wealthy from the technology center and the new and new capital, like the Malark Bake, uh, my brain is great. so not reading this. You're doing great. I'm literally reading words and not processing anything. Me too. It makes it easier sometimes. Yes. The reason why the wealthy from the technology center and new capital, like the Malark Bakery, is because is because it's almost quaint with an old district with the with its old district breads, eleven dark molasses and bran and bran and rye in a moon shape, speckled with caraway and flax and crunch, for a pale green and soft and sour with seaweed and buttermilk and the coarse salt of the sea, but it's clear in the spirals of icing and swooping constructions and fondant that his wedding cakes that on his wedding cakes that Peter Malark once observed a true master's master designer masters of panam history would tell you that his name had been cinna and he was the true hero of the rebellion but most people never knew that's the so reason sad when you think about it like that's pretty canon like nobody ever realized yeah. like cinna in theory like actually is the mastermind behind all of it like he's the one who created the dress that started it all like yeah that's so sad mm-hmm i love hunger games so fucking yeah, much i can genuinely is it, I don't think it's underrated, but I feel like people understate it in terms of like it's how incredible it was. Even how incredible it ending, was, and the like shit how made it incredible because you're like nobody's happy, and that happens. Yeah, um, and I mean, like it was so influential. I mean, literally yeah, after it we got a whole genre, it it started literally like a dystopian novels, and like literally it ended up becoming like. It was like we literally like learned about 
obviously we learned about dystopian like within like english in school because it's like a popular thing but like it really was like popular like we read like more modern dystopian books when we were like actually actively reading books Mm -hmm. and so it's like it's so influential that they literally read it in fucking school yeah you know for like most modern books i feel like aren't necessarily read in school but for dystopian that's like a genre where they actually read like more recent books like, yeah. I think it was, like, literally, like, two or three years after it came out and we were already reading it in school, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it was, like, it was, like, an option, but I had already read it, so I didn't choose it, <laughs> you know? But for people who hadn't, they did. But so, we love Hunger Games here. Um yeah, we, we really do. Continuing on. The reason why the Cole Estate loves the Malark Bakery is simple. There are very few people who live there who can still remember life before Peter Malark kept a basket of hundreds of primrose dots, pink and dainty, on the counter of ch- on the counter for children's greedy, grateful fingers, and refused to take a single coin for them. Maybe a person can't live on cookies alone, Peter always said, but everyone deserves to have something nice sometimes in the world. Not everything needs to be about survival. That's so cute. He is like, this is so him though, where it's like, I will like, I don't care. But it's also like so bittersweet in that, like, I I don't know. There's just this like tone of like dystopian still under it all. Yeah. Just like nobody remembers the time before the rebellion, blah, blah, blah. Like it's very like bittersweet. Yeah. He refuses to tell anyone how to make the primrose dots. All anyone knows is that they're fragrant with rose water and dusted in sugar and they're sweet but not cloying. They're as much a part of the bleh, the Cole Estate's past as the Rebellion is a part of Pan Am. But almost no one left alive knows that they're named for the girl who, in her own sweet and simple way, started it all. Peter ke- keeps the basket low enough for all of the children to reach, and they can take as many as they want, because thanks to Primrose and Cinna and Katniss and Peter Malark of Malark Bakery, they will never have to put their names into the drawing for the Hunger Games. Oh, like, that was good as fuck. Not gonna lie. Um, Do you think we have enough time for another recipe? Definitely. We definitely have time for another one. Is, this we're, is, gonna, we're gonna so, be cutting out a solid, like, yeah. minutes. We're, we have time. So this is the second recipe, and you pronounce it as, like, pin au chocolat, yeah, I'm right? Yeah, pain. Yeah. Pain? Because we are in pain. intentional to say pain here. Um, so ingredients, three tablespoons, unsalted butter, scant, uh, scant one fourth cup, one ounce, loosely packed, fresh compressed yeast, generous one half cup cold water, three and one third cups bread flour, plus extra if needed, two, two teaspoons salt, one third cup granulated sugar, generous half cup whole milk. One cup plus two tablespoons unsalted butter at room temperature and 10 ounces of bittersweet chocolate chopped. A man with gold-rimmed eyes discussed these with Peter once, a long time ago. Before everything, really. Just as it was all beginning. Before fire, before berries, before there was a mockingjay. Oh, I guess there is some dialogue. Oh, okay. I'll read it. Um, I think it is, um... It's not Pita, Cin- so... No, it's... There's, so there's... It's Cinna and Pita. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Do you like anything about the capital? Sorry, one second. He asked, kind, as he took Pita's measurements. He'd been a stocky boy back then. Lots of upper arms for carrying flour. Uh, this morning they gave us hot chocolate. 
Peter had said, simple in his likes and dislikes and knowing exactly who he was back then. It was too much to drink it, but it was wonderful on bread. He blushed then, nattering on about bread to this willowy capital bread designer who had been stuck with a pitiful District 12. Not so pitiful with Katniss, though, maybe. But Sinead just smiled and circled the measuring tape around Peta's head, measuring for a headdress. Oh, shit. Um, I lost track. Okay. There used to be bread with pieces of chocolate in it. I forget what it was called, but it was from... It was in a language that doesn't exist anymore. I learned it when I was very young. It feels like you're talking around marbles to speak it. He, um, he had a smile that put Peta at ease. Because Peta didn't know poisonous smiles yet. And besides, Sinna was a good guy. The best. I'm a baker, Peta offered. Not everyone in District 12 works in the mines. And Sinna stopped working and sat down across from Peta, a blazing sort of aha look in his gold-rimmed eyes. Tell me about your District 12. Tell me absolutely everything about how District 12 really is. And Sinna sent Portia to find them more hot chocolate and soft, slightly sour white bread to dunk. And Peta told Sinna about District 12, about the division, uh, about the division with the seam and how that accounts for Katniss. For Katniss, and he's he's uh, he's looking so and he looking so different to each other when most other poor districts are all similar in color and stature and size. About the hob and how everyone in the in, is a barterer in District 12. But it still isn't enough that there's a single family without Tesserae, and how Katniss gives the families with young, hungry children meat free of charge. He told Sinna about Greasy Say and how she, she's older than dirt, and how her simple daughter smiled when her when his father sneaks his butter cookies when Peter ugh, when Peter's mom <laughs> I literally can't fucking speak when Peter's mother wasn't looking. He told. He told about the first day of school and how Katniss sang a song and how that had been what happened in the last generation, too. Things about District 12 didn't change easily. He told Sinna how Katniss is so fierce with her bow and arrows and her traps, and she's just, she's deadly to the bone. And Peta thought that Katniss could win if the sponsors gave her a chance. And Sinna sat quietly listening, eating bread and chocolate. And when Peta finished, Sinna knew one thing for certain about Peta Malark. He was on fire for Katniss Everdeen, and from how the boy told it, she blazed brighter than anyone else in Pan Am ever could. And Sinna, the, the designer with the most petitious district, knew one thing about District 12. Its blazing bright girl was who all of Pan Am had been waiting for. Why did these kind of fucking hit? Holy shit. The the vibe from these fics are very similar to the vibe you get from reading the books, especially for the first time, or even mm-hmm. just seeing the movies the first time. Like Yeah. This is very much what it feels like. This is this is very nice. I I very much like this. I am very much enjoying it. Oh my yeah, gosh. That was that was beautiful. Um I don't I I don't think I will continue to read these types of fics because this is not my cup of tea. But that being said, this is this is beautiful. Um, I of course will because because your coffee shop, we got it. Your domestic coffee shop. It's it's it's, it's in the domestic. It's in the domestic shit. Okay, what can I say? Uh, (laughs) Oh my Um, goodness. Um, we're. We're slowly shutting down, so... Yeah, my um, brain isn't working. Um, 
I had a meeting at 8.30 a.m. after staying up till 2 and being sick, so. Oh, yeah, that's the... Yeah, I'm that's not the Liz, where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at LazyLiz. What about you, Gabs? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok at Liz, Where can we find more about the show? You can find the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Trope Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Trope Podcast, where tropes battle for dominance. If you need to email us for any reason, like questions, comments, concerns, any recommendations, any good Maze Runner or Twilight picks, please email us at tropedominance at gmail.com. Please rate, comment, follow, subscribe, whatever it is, wherever you listen to the show. It helps us a lot. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We're going to be signing off till next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.